This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Hello and welcome to the Mom Curious podcast. My name is Daniela Rabani and I'm your host. Today is a special solo episode brought to you by executive producer Laura Lucetti, who is just everything to me. She's the voice you hear, that third voice. If it's not the interviewer, me, or the guest, you may hear a third voice in um, these episodes, and that's Laura. I'm not sure that we ever really introduce her, and that's a shame because she's the actual best. Um, Laura has compiled a list of questions that she and the Mom Curious contingency, fans, friends, and people who are genuinely uh, wanting to be moms, perhaps they're moms already, um, and are curious about the mom experience. I belong to that group, which is why I do this podcast I learn from you, I learn from our guests, and I learn from my own self, actually. Without apologizing before I've even answered these questions or even read them, I will say that these answers are anecdotal, they're my own, and that every single person's mothering experience and journey is so special and unique. Um, But, you know, uh, I can speak for myself. The first topic that we will cover is on eating disorder recovery, the 12 steps, in regards to motherhood. And there's some curiosity around OA or Overeaters Anonymous in general. So one of the 12 traditions that they read when you walk into an OA meeting um, is not to share... Um, about OA because, or AA or any of these uh, 12-step programs, because it is based on attraction rather than promotion. Meaning this is not, um, this is not a gang you need to be part of unless you need to be part of it. So if you are struggling with addiction of any sort, including food, um, please do um check out these uh beautiful supportive communities i am very much breaking a tradition um and you know so of lots of other people so i say i i i do it in good faith all right the first question is does this impact or inform your relationship with your children and their food Yes. When I've touched on this several times, because clearly I am still hung up on it. Sheesh. Um, When I when Ness was born, I had a lot of trouble um, breastfeeding. And what that looked like was, you know, I was in the hospital and very little breast milk was coming out. And he would he was crying a lot and he was hungry of course now i know you know in in hindsight he was very hungry and because there is such a strong advocacy for breastfeeding 
the nurses and lactation consultants, um, my doula, they they didn't send me home with formula, I don't think, and they didn't even really help me with him uh, around that. And what was really distressing, actually, was that there was a really unfortunate adoption situation, or rather... I think a a woman had given birth and realized that she wasn't able to be <clears throat> this baby's mother um, in a day-to-day way. She was giving her child up for adoption in the room nearby, and because of that, the staff was really frazzled and left Ness for way too long in the nursery, and I, I didn't even want him to be there to begin with, but... Because he was so uncomfortable, I just felt so inadequate to care for him. And I thought, okay, so these people, they're they're, uh, professionals. They know what's up. Uh, Let's just say I regret that. Either way, it was a really rocky start when it came to breastfeeding. Now, my um, eating disorder manifests in compulsive overeating. And at the time specifically... It also had to do with orthorexia, which meant that I was so particular about healthy eating to the point of obsession and uh, the healthy food that I was consuming and um, the rules and all of this. That is actually a disease called orthorexia. And because I was in recovery, I could recognize that my obsession with breastfeeding and my subsequent shame around supplementing was linked to my own orthorexia. Also because my doula, who I mentioned in the second episode, came over. She was wonderful um, in labor but when I she came over to help me with breastfeeding um she would say things like oh don't let him get lazy on the breast because of course he's gonna want like the McDonald's you know but like you're giving him the good stuff and I think she was trying to be helpful and descriptive but I don't really, she clearly didn't know that she was, you know, talking to someone who A, has hypothyroidism and polycystic ovaries and, you know, the shape of my breasts just didn't make enough milk. She clearly didn't know that. And she clearly didn't know that I was really sensitive about that kind of stuff. And so yeah, it definitely impacted and informed that experience for me, for sure. I worked through a lot of that in the rooms, in OA, doing the steps, sponsoring in that first year, and that was very helpful. It continues. Um, I'm not as active in OA now, but it even continues with my daughter, Paz, who had these adenoids um, they're basically like right next to the tonsils. She had to get them removed when she was two. But before they were removed, they were these like very large obstructions that made it hard for her to eat. And she was very stuffy and she 
didn't sleep through the night until very recently. And by very recently, I mean last week when we all got COVID. She was like, you know what? I'm just going to sleep. <laughs> and that's how we got her to sleep through the night. Um, don't recommend it, but some, you know, silver linings. Um, anyway, so she... Um, she had trouble eating and it was so distressing for me. Um, and she still does. And I really do find that um, it's not that she has trouble eating now. It's just that like she doesn't have a lot of practice chewing because for a long time the anatomy um, just didn't let her chew for that long and breathe because she was so stuffy. And so she's just gaining a lot of strength back. Um which is, it's phenomenal how quickly they, children, um, bounce back from these things. But it was so painful for me. And I think, now, let's be very open about the fact that the 12 steps are a spiritual program and that um, God is very present in this healing journey. Um, and so this might resonate with some and not with others, but, you know, my children have come here for their own enjoyment, fulfillment, actualization, pleasure in this world. And in so doing, are healing me. That I get to meet my addictions, shortcomings, obsessions through their very pure, innocent bodies means that I can see these things more clearly. With Ness, I would sit in the rooms and I would say, I have an issue with perfectionism and all or nothing ism. And if I'm not um, exclusively breastfeeding, quotes unquotes, it's excruciating for me. It's terrible for me. And I can see that this child is growing. He's happy. He's healthy. And that this formula is medicine for him. I could have something that just does a side note, something that one of our other guests, um, did so beautifully and so successfully um, that I didn't really ever pursue um, fully was donor milk. And if I wanted, I could have, I, I didn't know of this Facebook group, but there is one um, now, and probably there was one then, but there's there are these Facebook groups where you can pick up donor milk. There are some women we spoke about with Neha on the first episode that there are some women who overproduce and so they need to let out this um, supply, this milk. Um, and so they do so and then donate it because the, their ch children or child doesn't have a need for it. And so you can supplement that way. 
But that wasn't a choice for me. And or or it wasn't in my, you know, understanding at that time. Which meant that I had to grapple with science. <laughs> I had to grapple with my own mother feeding me formula, her own mother feeding her formula. And I had to grapple with good enough being good enough. And with pause, I'm realizing more and more that she's getting there, actually. She's sleeping. She's eating. She's growing. She's talking. She's magnificent. And these things are not in my time. These things are in her time. And in the larger sense, they're in God's time. But again, I, the only reason why I bring God into the mix right now is because we're talking about the 12 steps and, and an OA. And that is a huge component um, in this conversation. The next question is, how do you cope with triggering situations when it involves your kids? You know, I am far enough into my recovery that I don't know if I don't have triggering moments. Like Halloween doesn't trigger me and I know that it it can be very triggering. Pizza used to be extremely triggering for me um, in my pregnancy with Paz because it would be all I would eat. And it was a very stark difference from my pregnancy with Ness where I was like smoothies all the time. Um, that was really uncomfortable um, for me that I was just like eating mac and cheese and, you know, toddler food because I was tired and I was only getting more tired because I was not really fueling my body. But when we had more play dates, <laughs> which I hope we're going to get back to soon, there were triggering moments when I would try to have um, healthier options for my kids and then friends would offer them uh, more convenient options and that would just like turn me into like kind of like a really unfun anxious um, mean I would get a little mean um, mom and I think the pandemic really put things into perspective for me like it's really okay like my children are not eating they're not just eating um fish sticks they eat other things over the course of the day but also they are imbibing inhaling nourishing themselves with the love of friends and community and it's not always easy to feed a bunch of kids so like yeah let's just like pop some Trader Joe's anything in the microwave and enjoy them enjoying each other and enjoy them enjoying food what are some strategies you have in place to try to help your children avoid the same traps that triggered you and your disordered eating, especially your daughter, as this is a problem that disproportionately affects females. 
I try not to make a big deal about food. There's a philosophy that says you are in charge of what you feed your child and when and where. They are in charge of the what of that and how much. It doesn't always go my way um, because I'm not like the most structured parent. I'm not the most structured person. On a good day, I just offer them the food that's on tap and I say, I don't have the gummy bears, but we can have that for snack. Um, And if they don't eat the vegetable, they don't eat the vegetable. I have been a little more pushy or suggestive with my daughter Paz because I know that actually with her it's a matter of um, like the mechanics of chewing which has been brought to my attention by like a food therapist after her surgery uh, when she got her adenoids taken out and um, so I try to say like have that one more bite and I'll give you this which is an ideal actually she doesn't have like a well-balanced palate she just won't eat anything um, healthy so in general I offer them yummy snacks and healthy foods I don't freak out the way I used to about more convenient foods I think with Ness I was my my son my older son I was perfectionistic and a bit orthorexic still and so he really ate a lot of vegetables and smoothies and with my daughter I was tired and lonely she entered the pandemic um, at the age of six months which is when babies start eating when it comes to my daughter and eating For me, so much of my eating or disordered eating um, came from an idea that if I ate less, I'd be skinny. And if I'd be skinny, I would be more successful or more accepted or prettier. And so far, I mean, she's two, but so far linking those two things just seems so inappropriate. It just seems like so stupid now. I try not to be on a diet or eat diet food, although Ness will call me out every time I don't share something. He's like, is it because it's diet? And I'm like, yes, Um, because it'll have like stevia in it or some sort of sweetener that I don't want them to eat. Um, So I try not to. I don't talk about my body in a derogatory way. I don't talk about food being fattening. Um, And I don't You know, I I tell Paz and Ness, both my children, how beautiful they are. But I never talk about it in terms of what they're wearing, what they're eating. Um, I've detached the link between food and beauty and beauty with love and attention or acceptance or success. Um, And I hope to continue that way. I mean, I'm just on the beginning of this journey, but, you know, the last step, the 12th 
step in the 12 steps is service. And service can look like a lot of different things, but one of the ways we do service is through sponsorship. I had a sponsor who had a daughter way before I was a parent, and she would say, your partner is your sponsee, your co-worker, your children. These are opportunities for service. That's what I build my life around is service, is being of service, partially for the other person, but they always say it's selfish. I, you can't keep what you don't give away. So when I share my recovery with my children, I'm reinforcing that in my own self. And I'm reminding them of the pleasure of being of service. Moms are working with limited time every day. How do you prioritize your recovery, working the steps in meetings? I did prioritize my recovery when I only had one child and when it was pre-pandemic and we were meeting in person. I would go to a meeting a day at some point and then, you know, maybe it, maybe it would be a meeting a week. Um, I'd be sponsoring one or two people. But that really fell off um, during COVID because I had just had a baby and I've done Zoom um, OA meetings and, you know, it just wasn't the same for me. So I don't know if it was a matter of prioritizing or if it was a matter of saying, wow, right now I'm okay. <laughs> I can, I'm okay. And I'm in touch with my fellows. Um and it was more frustrating than helpful to be on those zooms so i took a break but i hope to go back sometime if you have any more questions for me please do reach out i'm at daniela rabani on instagram you're also more than welcome to review comment leave a question if you'd like um right here on the uh, podcast page um, and if you do know a mom who is struggling with eating habits or disordered eating, there's always oa.org. All right, friends, thank you for listening to this solo episode of the Mom Curious Podcast. I hope it helped. For more episodes, make sure to follow Mom Curious, available on all podcast platforms. Thanks. <laughs>